Oh man, what is that? Hold on. What did you do? Picking up a bunch of noise on my. Okay, sorry. It's just my computer rubbing against my desktop. This happens every time we hit the record button. You're like, oh wait, hold on, I hear some noise. Well, I, I you know what, Jeff? It's better than me not noticing it and being just like, okay, whatever, and then just the constant <laughs> in the background throughout my whole audio. So say thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> So what are we what are we talking about today, Jeff? We're talking about uh, actually, you know, this is my topic. We're talking about fandoms, and I, I realize the word fandom kind of has a weird connotation because we're fandom is like this whole thing. It's it's really big on the internet, and I feel like fandom, the word I really started to hear about it on like Tumblr, Tumblr and stuff. But fandom can be applied to you know all sorts of things. It can be being obsessed with jogging. It can be obsessed with the Olympics. It could be obsessed with anything. You know, it's, it's being a big fan and being a part of a greater group of folks that are into a specific thing. So I came up with a bunch of stuff that I'm into. I think you came up with a bunch of stuff that you're into. Um, and really it's, it's mostly just a question of, what are you into? What kind of stuff are you into that like you spend your time thinking about and researching and like diving into and reading people's tweets and different websites and all that stuff you know what subreddits do you subscribe to <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, that's a good one i think the subreddit thing is a really good indicator of like what you're into and stuff like that sure yeah i mean like passions are passions and 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 you are usually not the only person that has a passion about certain things or you're really interested in certain things so you can find other communities and places that where people can get together and, 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 you know, for lack of a better term, nerd out on certain things that you're interested in. And it doesn't have to be like nerd dumb stuff. It could be like true crimes. Like there's cons about true crime. There's cons about like everything uh, you, under the sun. There's, there's going to be cons about it and stuff like that. Or, uh, you know, subreddits or, you know, Facebook communities or, you know, things like that. And, and there's, and th- that is one of the aspects of fandom. I was really interested to sort of see where you were going to go with these fandom things. Yeah. Cause I went straight nerdy shit because that's just who I am, but <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting anything less of you, Mike. That's, that's kind of what I was expecting things to go. It's funny because when you bring up that idea of Facebook groups, I, I realize this is kind of a tangent, but I didn't realize how popular Facebook groups have become mm-hmm. from where they once were. And so I never really paid attention to it until very recently, like in the last six or eight months or whatever. Okay. Like Facebook groups as a thing is actually pretty popular in terms of like finding niche communities that aren't like Reddit or just random forum websites, you know? Cause I, I when, I, when I was big into certain things like different metal bands or for instance, the one that I wanted to get to, which is Coheed and Cambria. I would go to the Coheed and Cambria forums or the Cobalt and Calcium, which is a fan site for Coheed and Cambria. I would go to their forums and I would just talk to people about Coheed and Cambria and the story behind like their whole weird sci-fi thing that they do. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because a lot of that has migrated from forums over to Facebook um, and onto Reddit a lot as well. So it's it's interesting to see the rise in that stuff to support these types of things because it's not just nerdy shit and it's not just, you know, D&D and, you know, comic books and stuff. It's also like housekeeping or building shit in your backyard. I don't know what you call it. Carpentry. I don't know. DIY stuff. Yeah, DIY. Any of that stuff. There, there are Facebook groups for everything and it blows my mind like how much that has exploded because I think, you know, Facebook revamped their whole group system and it became basically a forum but using all of Facebook's cool shit that they have and cool in quotes. 
Yeah, there's some things about Facebook that we don't really like, but we don't. That's a totally different discussion than everything else. So yeah, well, I mean, I shouldn't say I hate Facebook by any means because I think that there's some interesting things, but again, totally different, totally different discussion. And I mean, like, I created a Facebook group not that long ago for Tablet Habit, which is, and, and one of the reasons was because the Facebook group was so uh, much more widely accepted as a, a forum, and also like a lot of the other forum uh, options that were out there was like a BB Edit site, which is like the old school forum sites, not BB. Is it BB Edit or is it like PHP? Well, there's BB Edit, which is one. There's PHP, BB, and I, there was a couple other forum things that were all like PHP based and stuff. Is weird. It's weird times to be on the internet. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, like if you ever have been to an old forum, it's probably run on one of those two th- platforms or something, something similar. Yeah, th- there's a third one that I that was paid that I can't remember the name of. But anyways, I digress. So I mean, like the old forum stuff was kind of not a viable option, and Reddit has blown up to the point where it could still be kind of a nuisance to deal with. Um, I mean, if you're looking for like a really specific community, it's probably fine. But Facebook just seemed to be the best option for me because I could kind of control who is accepted in, not necessarily to be a gatekeeper, but to kind of keep spam out. And I think Facebook is more viable for that. So Totally. It, it it made sense, and, and, and for those of you who are interested, it's an iPad-only club that I created on Facebook, and you can actually look into it at iPadOnly.club. It's a real website. You can check it out. I mean, but that's that's one of your fandom things. That's like you're into iPads, you're into Apple. And I mean, that was one that you and I both put down in our notes. You know, like that's a thing that we are constantly thinking about or that we're regularly checking up on and we have a little bit of an obsession with where the keynotes come out or new products are announced and we're checking the articles in different places where news is posted and all that stuff. Yeah. And and it's something that I loved enough and where I wanted to start writing about it on Tablet Habit. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I felt that I could actually create a blog about something as uh, specific as Apple. I mean, granted, the saturation of blogs and podcasts about Apple is kind of ridiculous in comparison to any other company in the world. Like, there's not nearly as many podcasts about a company like Apple than there is about, you know, like, like there's no Walmart podcast. I mean, maybe there is, but I doubt it. Maybe there is. Maybe Walmart has their own podcast. I'd like to hear that podcast, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I can't wait for someone to, like, listen to this and then send us a link to, like, walmartpod.com or something like that. And it's just, it's. Please, someone send that. I would love to hear it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, how do you want to do it? Do you want to round robin it? Do you want to, I mean, how do you want to sort of explain some of the fandoms that we consider ourselves a part of um, and I have some other questions as we get down the, down the line with it and stuff like that that might be specific to the fandoms that we're in or just general questions so I mean do you want to do round robin style how do you how do you want to get this going I was kind of thinking you know we yeah round robin we can go back and forth on this I mean I I'm really curious to hear actually to start with your Kevin Smith option that you have you you wrote down Kevin Smith and it's big you've got a bunch of notes on this and I always really been curious about you know you've told me maybe bits and pieces about why you dig this guy and all this stuff um but i want to hear you like explain it to me here like go go in depth on this because i've got some questions so it's kind of a longer story but i'll try and make this uh, i'll try to summarize it as much as i can but like sure kevin smith was a 
big part of my life when I was like growing up, which is a weird thing to say because his movies are not meant for children that are growing up. They're meant for adults who have already been grown. Like it's hard R movies that he creates and like nothing about that should have been in my hands. But this is back in the day when Blockbuster was still a thing and it was a mile away from my home. So I'd ride my bike as a kid, you know, I'm like 15, I think 14, 15 at this time. And this is back in the day when Blockbuster had, this like rental subscription thing where like for X amount of dollars a month, you can have one or two DVDs checked out at a time and you'll just be able to swap them out whenever you want. Oh yeah. And so this is when I'm 14 or 15. I'm really starting to get interested in filmmaking as a career choice, as a, something that I could do uh, as a hobby even, but like mainly I just wanted to learn more about film and I started just like consuming as many movies as I could uh, growing up uh, because of this blockbuster that was near my house. It was readily available. My parents spent $20 a month and I rented at least 20, 20 different DVDs a, a month. Like it, we got a, we got our serious bang for our buck. Yeah. 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 So, and one of the movies that I uh, looked at that, cause that's at the time I wanted to just watch a comedy cause I'd been watching a lot of Tarantino films at the time. Um, mm-hmm. couple of other things. like every 14 or 15 year old kid. Yeah. You know, and I watched a bunch of De, De Niro Scorsese movies and like, you know, <laughs> I was a weird kid, dude. Sure. I, no, I I laugh because I did almost the same shit, but I was like 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally get you. Like, you're just like, I want to watch the coolest movies available. What are those? Tarantino movies and De Niro movies, I guess. I mean, this is also the same time when I was like watching Movie Mogul on YouTube and stuff like that, which is like a DIY indie film kind of group on YouTube. That were, Oh, like, man. Like, here's how you can make a light stand out of PVC pipe and like everything else. Yeah. Like, it was kind of insane, like the amount of things that they were trying to do with like right. filmmaking and stuff like that but like but kevin smith yeah but kevin smith but kevin smith (laughs) sorry i'm trying to just trying to bring you back to this because we got a bunch of other stuff to get to fair enough so kevin smith was a movie that i i found because i want to watch a lighthearted comedy and the first kevin smith movie i saw which is probably not the best one to see at first was jay and silent bob straight back oh okay okay like i liked that movie a lot and that was hilarious i didn't get half the jokes in it because it's such a, a inside movie kind of thing like you have to have watched all the other movies before to understand it but like on the back of the movie it listed all of his other films that he did and i was like i kind of like this guy i want to see more and so i started watching all of his older movies i watched clerks i watched dogma i watched chasing amy fell in love with it everything and was just super into it and then i stumbled across like his evening with kevin smith stuff which is just recently coming out at the time and i started watching those and binging on those and hearing his story what is what is evening with kevin smith oh you don't know about these okay so in evening with kevin smith there's like three or four of them out right now but like kevin smith was starting to like go to universities and stuff like that because college kids loved his films and they would invite him to go and speak at these universities and he primarily did like q a stuff with it and so he would have these college students ask him questions for q a and then eventually he got a production crew to come in and record some of them and so he recorded a bunch of his evening with kevin smith and just basically cut the ones that he liked the most and put it out for sale oh man and so he was able to do that and he's done that two or three times now and 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 it's just another way for him to do things and this is before his podcast started and everything else like he would just he would have stuff on his blog and then he would retell those stories that the kids asked him to tell 
in college of like you know his anal fisher story uh a few other things that he had, uh, t- he talked about prince how he almost worked with prince the tim burton mm-hmm. fiasco that he was going on there's a lot of inside stuff with it but my favorite thing and this is probably the, the number one thing about kevin smith that sticks with me is the fact that he made this movie for a couple of nickels he rubbed together and got all of his friends to play several different parts in the movie he had his mom in the movie he had his producer in the movie like he he really went you know he got his hands dirty and grimy to do this podcast and to do this film which this is clerks right this is clerks this is me talking about clerks and he made it for like twenty seven thousand dollars with credit cards like he yeah yeah i've heard this story yeah yeah yeah. this is a good this is a good one i think like if you can go out there and find kevin smith telling the origins of clerks it's fantastic there's plenty of ways you can find he talks about it a lot but like That origin story really stuck with me. It kind of lit a fire under me when I was just getting into this filmmaking thing that I wanted to do and really diving into it and wanting to do some stuff with it. And from there, I moved on to learn more about him. And and throughout the years, he was always a staple in, in the, in my filmmaking uh hobbyist i guess because i never i'm not a filmmaker by trade but like uh it's just something i've always been interested in and kevin smith is the guy that i always really enjoyed and he then put a book out called tough shit and that book i read every year at least once um i read it every year and uh he like that book really resonated with me and there's a, a section in the book where he was talking about how he learned after film school where he dropped out of like, I started to realize that I surround myself with why people as in like, why do you want to make this movie? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do that? Why? why, And things like that. Love like people question why he's doing the things that he wants to do. And he wanted to surround himself with more people who are like, why not people like, why not make a film? Why not me? Why not do that thing? Yeah. And, and that just sort of stuck with me. And there's a few other things in that book that really stick with me, but like, his reasoning of like, why not me? It's kind of the reason why I do everything that I do creatively of like, why, why the fuck can't I do this? Why wouldn't I start a podcast with Mike about uh, everything and nothing and try and form something with it? Or why not make a blog about the iPad? I mean, th- things like that. I, that's kind of how I go into things. And it, it, it's not always the best way, but like, it's how I get things started. And I had the pleasure of meeting him at podcast movement a couple of years ago when I was able to go to the one in Chicago and he was one of the keynote speakers. And I actually stumbled across him when he was on his way out. He had a couple of security guards with him and I didn't think anything was going to happen. I just wanted to say hi to Kevin. I was like, Hey Kevin. And like, he stopped dead in his tracks and started talking with me about it, uh, about him and, and asking who I was and what's going on. And, um, I shook his hand. I just said, I, I just want you to know that. Because <laughs> That's so cool. It, it gets better, dude. It gets better. And I was like, I just wanted to shake your hand and say thank you for everything that you've done because of your mantra of why not. It's the reason I started doing podcasting and everything else creatively. Like they, that's all I ever wanted to say to the man. I never, I didn't really want to say anything else. Yeah. He gave, he, he gave me an unsolicited gigantic hug and, and just leaned in and said, give me a hug brother. And I'm like, okay. And he's, <laughs> I'm just like, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate everything you've done. He goes, do you have a, do you have like a, a phone you want to take a photo with? And, um, because Kevin was there, I was reading Tough Shit again, and I had it in my bag. And I was like, I have your book with me right now. Would you mind signing it? And so he did. And, um, you know, you know how they always usually have something written for the person on it. And stuff. He just wrote, uh, Jeff, why the fuck not Kevin Smith? 
So I have his book signed. Oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was super, super surreal. Uh, I, I remember, I think I remember when you, that actually happened to you and you were like immediately or very soon after texting me, he's like, Mike, you would not fucking believe what happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. Like that's, that's so awesome for you, dude. I'm, I'm so glad that that happened. Cause like when the fuck else are you going to get the chance to potentially meet this guy? That it's so awesome. So cool. It was, it was, it, I, I don't believe in uh, serendipity or anything like that, but it's something very fucking close to it, man. Right. Right. It, it was, it was really surreal and really really exciting. So that's why I love uh, Kevin Smith and I'm part of his fandom and and um, and watch every movie that he's made and everything that he creates, whether it's his podcast and stuff like that. Like I've been following it since you know I was a kid of like seeing where he is with these things. And, and Kevin Smith is probably one of the big reasons why I actually started podcasting in the first place years back because he was talking about um, you know when he created Smodcast and creating that network of, of podcasters and stuff like that. And it was just something that I was super interested in and you know the whole why not thing was still stuck still stuck in my head and i'm just like podcasting's easy why can't i start doing that so i did and that's what i've been doing for the last six years off and on like just mm-hmm. doing podcasts so yeah it's been something that uh is really near and dear to my heart and something that i really enjoy and uh like there's other people that are big fans of his and there's a bunch of communities. Like I'm in a Kevin Smith Facebook group or two. Oh, nice. Um, where people just share like quotes and memes and stuff like that. It's just a fun place to go to like keep going with the Kevin Smith stuff and like, and, and things like that. But to make this very long story come to a close, that is why um, Kevin Smith was the first and longest entry for this list of, of uh, fandoms that we consider ourselves in. Uh, yeah. Let's get the big one out of the way for you, though. X-Men. Oh, boy. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say D&D, because that's also a big one. No, nope, X-Men, because um, you teased yeah. that last time. And I know you well enough to know that you have some words to say about X-Men, too. So let's get the big ones out of the way. Sure. I mean, X-Men, for me, has been a thing since I can remember. Like, I've always been into the X-Men, not, like, constantly, you know, since I was a kid, but it was always something I was, like, I always thought about like fondly as I was growing up and you know I didn't really know where to get comic books when I was younger so um, I never really got into it until I was probably in late high school I may have told this story I think I definitely told this story on I read comic books but you know a friend of mine wanted to buy me a birthday gift um, when we were like 16 and it was like weird because I was like "I I realize we have money but like you don't have to buy me anything we're friends so long story short he ends up buying me volume two of X-Men um, like Marvel Masterworks X-Men and I realize it's volume two and so like a couple weeks later I go back and buy volume one and then I read them front to back like one after the other and then I read them again and I read them again and I'm like man I, I remember why I like X-Men so much and it's like the, it's a series of misfits and characters that are like constantly downtrodden but somehow find hope in the world that really doesn't like them and that always has been like super inspiring as something that you know like even you know despite your physical or differences or you know the differences that you have with people like there is still hope that there is good in the world and like that someone will be watching out for you and is willing to care for you even though you may hate them which is like a really weird concept that you know people don't i don't know people talk about but i don't think we see enough and it's it's something that like I really, really enjoy 
um, re- like reading about the drama of these characters and their you know, relationships. And the more you read, the more you start to fall in love with them. And there's hundreds and dozens, of, you know, dozens and dozens and hundreds of them. It's it's crazy. Like there's a character for everybody, and there's a character that's going to be interesting to everybody. And the X Men is just like is constantly just like a thing that I want in my life because I love these characters so much. Um, and I mean, I've been reading X-Men books for almost 10, 12 years now. You know, it's it's something that's been like a staple in my reading habits and the things that I'm thinking about and the stories that I'm consuming and talking about with others. And it's weird because I really, really like the X-Men, but at the same time, I I don't subscribe to a lot of the fandom like interaction stuff. I just like consuming these things and discussing them with others in person. Mm-hmm. But online, I get like really heated. And so I just cut myself out of the conversation because I'm going to like, I feel like I disagree with a lot of people about the X-Men in general and like who they are and rep- what they represent. Because to me, it's not just about like who could beat up who. It's about like the the compassion that they have for each other and like the recognition that like we may be arch nemesis and enemies that are fighting head to head, but at the end of the day, we are still one people and we should be trying to better the world. And, and instead, like a lot of times people will just get caught up in the super heroics of these characters, but I think there's a bigger meaning that lives behind the X-Men. And so I kind of just keep it all to myself and I consume a lot of that stuff. And I think a lot of it's funny and I watch all the movies, even though they're bad. Like I, <laughs> But I take it all in because, like, I, the more of it that I can get, the better, and uh, the better I feel, the more, the better I am. I don't know. I, I just really, really like the X Men. It's really hard to put into words, Jeff, because <laughs> there isn't like some huge greater meaning. Because, like, I kind of expressed it. You know, that's what the X Men represent. But it's never something that I'm like, you should read the X-Men because they represent the greater good among evil. Because that's not what all the books are about. But I think on the whole, when you look at the larger X-Men story, that's kind of the story that they're presenting. But to get someone to sit down and read a comic book about that is totally different. And I don't think the movies necessarily represent that well either, even though they try to. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just, it's like, there are characters that I just really, really love. Like, they're (laughs) rascals and they're, you know, they've got these super strong ideals that they try to, like, they try to hold on to, but they're constantly challenged about them. And I really like that about this, about the X-Men. And you can, you can find that in other comics and you can find that in tons of other stories. But for me, it's always been like, I always come back to the X-Men as like the kinds of stories that I like because they were in some weird way, probably as a child, they were like one of the first stories where I saw that kind of conflict where there was action and drama and there were these strong messages that were being pushed out. Um, while all of this was happening and it's always just resonated with me really well. Yeah. I mean, this kind of brings up one of the questions that I kind of had in regards to, like, the groups that we kind of connect with and things like that, of, like, fandom in general. Like, it seems like, especially with X-Men, and there's some other things that I'm a part of that I don't necessarily subscribe to everything that people say about it, which, I mean, granted, there's probably nothing that everyone subscribes to about something like that, like, especially when there's different mm-hmm. opinions and things like that, but, like... Do you ever feel like guilty that you're part of a group or like, uh, not ashamed, but like, especially when you have such different opinions on, on the, the main messages of things like that? Like, cause I've come across that as well with, with a lot of things. Um, like podcasting is on my list of like things that I just don't always agree with. Like I see people recommending things or talking about things as if they're like, uh, golden, like they're the number one thing to use or like number one option for you and then i just look mm-hmm. at it and i'm just like that's not that that's so far from right like have you ever come across things like that and how do you deal with it 
That's, I mean, that's awesome that you asked that because I, the one that I wrote on here that I, I was hesitant to put on it was on the list was Star Wars because Star Wars is such a big thing to so many people. Yeah. There is no definitive one way to think about it. And I don't think that there's any guilt in the way that I feel about Star Wars and the things that I think about that Star Wars represents and the characters that are in it. Um, but there's a lot of different opinions and Star Wars means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, so it's hard to sit down and say like, yeah, we all definitely agree on X because there is never that one thing. You're always going to find dissenters because when something influences like a sixth or a fifth or a third of the fucking world's population, it's kind of hard to settle on one specific answer. Mm-hmm. So with Star Wars, you kind of take the good with the bad. And for me, I, I kind of internalize it like X-Men where I'm like, you know, despite what everyone says, this is kind of what I, how I feel. And if there are others out there that agree with me, that's great. And I'll probably show my support, but I'm not going to sit down here and try to argue with someone about a specific character's motives or like the way that a story turned out and you didn't like, because at the end of the day, it's, it's a story that you're supposed to, in my mind, that you're supposed to draw like inspiration from. You're supposed to see like good prevailing over evil. Mm -hmm. Like that's the biggest thing that comes out of Star Wars, at least for me. Yeah, for the most part. I <laughs> see, and and that's the thing right there. That that thing is like someone says for the most part. Well, what or whatever. I'm saying is that like the end of Empire, there's no good that comes out of it. Like that's what I'm. That's what I, that's what I meant. Sh- sure, sure. Yeah. Well, oh, see, Jeff, and I could go into a whole thing about that right now, and I, I don't want to because I don't want to argue with you about it because I appreciate. I just want to appreciate Star Wars along with other people. I totally. Agree. I want to be happy with people. I don't want to be negative about this thing that has brought so much light to the world mm-hmm. that has made things better. I think in terms of storytelling for people and such a mass marketed mass like globally global spanning thing like there's no sense in putting negativity in that because i don't want to be a person that's putting negativity in that other people are putting negativity into that so i just want to celebrate the goodness and the things that come out of it and yes i have some very strong personal feelings about the way that characters have developed and the way that stories have gone and i'm happy to share them with you but like I don't want to argue with you about it, um, which which sounds like almost it sounds really shitty actually. Now that I'm saying that out loud, I don't think it's shitty at all. I think it's the, the exact opposite. No, but I think that that's that it's it's problematic because I'm saying I'm willing to tell you this thing, but I don't want to have a discussion about it. And to me, that's kind of a problem in like a bigger scale, not just with Star Wars, but it's it does happen a lot in Star Wars where someone's like, "Well, here's this thing. I believe it. Period. No discussion." And that sucks because. We should be able to have discussions, but I think there is a fine line to ride between discussion and argument and, like, people picking on something just for the sake of picking on it and being negative about it. Because you can have a positive discussion about something and have a good time, but there are a lot of the times in Star Wars, it's like, well... I think Kylo Ren is one of the best characters that Star Wars has ever created. You know, putting that out there, people will flip their fucking minds over that. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's my personal opinion. I don't want to yell and scream about that. I don't want to have to necessarily spend an hour defending that. I think someone saying, you know what, that's cool that you think that. That's another thing. That's awesome. Like, accept my opinion and I will accept that you don't like them or you think another character is the best thing. That's totally fine. Um, but the fact that there's no discussion there maybe is problematic. But so, and this is this is where Star Wars is kind of a problem because it's so big and there's so many opinions. It's 
really hard to be a humongous fan without feeling this a very negative cloud kind of hovering over you a mm-hmm. little bit. And it's really weird. And you get this with bigger and bigger fandoms. You know, X-Men also has this problem. Harry Potter also has this problem. And I, those are two other things that I think are very important to me in my life, like in ways that I didn't even realize. Like Star Wars is another one of those things. I didn't realize how into Star Wars or Harry Potter I was until things started to resurface. When Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them came out, Harry Potter, like there was a f- switch that flipped in my head and I was like, I love this thing more than I love my cats like i didn't really i didn't i didn't realize this um i know so much about this and so much of it is ingrained in me because of what i i consume so much of it growing up that like it has shaped probably a lot of my like mental decisions for in in a good way like all of the positive things that come out of harry potter i think have shaped me in ways that i don't fully understand and i don't see them reflected until i see them challenged in some way um, and it goes the same with Star Wars. I know a lot and I, I've read a lot of stuff and watched a lot of stuff about Star Wars and I have some very strong opinions, but I don't want to like scream and yell about them. I just want to be able to have them and maybe have them affirmed that like I'm not a crazy person for having mm-hmm. them. Um, and, and you can find a lot of that online. You can find a lot of people with similar ideas and you're kind of like, yeah, I'm glad we all, we all accept this thing for the way that it is or in the same way. And we are, we're getting something positive out of it because I, I think the goal, the end goal is like, are you getting something positive out of this fandom? Then you should run with that. Keep going with that. Because if it makes you happy, it makes you feel good, it makes you feel like you're doing something better or you're you're having a good time, like, go for it as long as it's not harming or, you know, hurting someone else. Yeah. Let me get off my soapbox. Well, then there's that flip side. <laughs> and, and after this, I promise we'll go back to the things that we like and we'll start talking more things. But this is more philosophical as this show. No, this is totally, get. this is totally on board. I think this is exactly what fandoms are. Like, we're not talking about a specific fandom. We're talking about why fandoms are important. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, it's, it is that it's doing something that makes you happy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and enjoying some piece of fiction or nonfiction or just enjoying a thing that makes you happy and makes you feel good and isn't harming others and is like, benefiting you in some way yeah and then like like on the flip side of like what you were talking about there was like then there's the other groups of people that are super fans that you absolutely uh don't want to be around because they're just uh they're just kind of a cancer of society like i hate to say that but i feel like they are and like the number one example i have is the uh and not all of them like i get it that some people just want to do this because it's an experience but like a large amount of the people that were there for the original release of the session one sauce for the rick and morty thing like if you ever watch oh. those videos dude like they're awful like if, if just yeah. people yeah, losing yeah, yeah. their minds over some sort of sauce that was around 10 15 years ago and yeah it's being re-released and they're just losing their fucking minds over it it's insane to watch this shit um and that's one of the reasons why i don't like to talk about rick and morty in in mixed company because uh i'm just so afraid of like either the the judgment they have because of this preconceived notion that rick and morty fans are assholes which is not necessarily off the off the charts weird like i feel like that's that that, that it has some validation to it but at the same t- I, okay all right all right but at the same time of like just people that are super fans of rick and morty and they like they make every conversation you have with them after that about rick and morty i've had that happen to me too of like yes yes, yes. i'm just like it's a cool show don't get me wrong i really enjoy it i think dan Harmon's a genius when it comes to making the show and i think it's got a lot of uh subtleties in it that that are much bigger than it, just a silly cartoon but like that's how i feel about it and i don't necessarily want to to 
share my interest in it with other people because of this bad taste I have my bad taste I have in my mouth from previous experiences. Yeah. It, Rick and Morty is one of those shows that it has it, some people have made it a bad thing and like have ruined it in some ways and that's and again I'm putting negativity into this fandom and I feel fucking shitty about it but like there there are there are people out there that have like made it not fun to talk about Rick and Morty <laughs> and therefore you have to keep it to yourself like I'm not I'm not walking around telling every person I know and of course here I am on this podcast saying it but I'm not out in the world like telling people every time they bring up, bring up Rick and Morty oh have you read the comics oh have you done this because I read the comics I've watched the show two three times I have no need to have a long philosophical discussion about Rick and Morty because at the end of the day I think that's Dan Harmon's biggest joke on all of us to make this show bigger than what it actually is which is kind of what community was about too community yeah exact same way it was a satire on traditional sitcoms that turned into something bigger in a way that was like continuous satire not only on the medium and not only on on sitcoms but also eventually on itself and it fell apart you know because there was so much hype around it that it hurt and that's how rick and morty felt especially with this most recent season you know there was so much hype around the show that like people were fucking scratching their like their skin off to get more of this show and I I don't know if I can submit myself to something like that. Like the only burning type of passion that I have right now for something is just the Blu-ray release of The Last Jedi. <laughs> That's the only thing that I want in this world in terms of fandom because I just want to be able to watch that movie again and again and again on my own personal time, not influencing anybody else. I just want to be able to consume that movie and Force Awakens back to back. Like that's my only thing that I want, but I'm not chomping at the bit for it. I'm just like that's I just want it, you know. Yeah. Whereas Rick and Morty fans were like out for fucking blood when the show got delayed, you know? It was wild. It was insane, dude. It was so it was insane to like just read it. That's a that's a that's another the flip side of to- of fandoms like you were saying though. It's it's this toxic side that can be detrimental to the overall show or fandom or thing in general, you know? Are there marathon runners out there who love marathoning so much that they're like going insane foaming at the mouth ready to go for on their next marathon like i i gotta guess that that type of person is out there who's just like man i don't care about nothing i'm just waiting for my next marathon and it's like cool <laughs> i don't ever want to do a marathon now <laughs> yeah it's so weird you know like it's it's just so i mean which you know leads to my my another like are there any fandoms that like you are more than happy to, to like just talk about because i mean we've been talking about kind of how we're a little recluse with certain things that we that we want to share that like uh whether they're idealistic values or like just worried about the 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 repercussions you have about being a part of this group of fans like Rick and Morty. Are there things that like you are part of this, like you consider to be part of a fandom or like part of a group that you're more than happy to talk about even with mixed company? Yeah, I can easily sit down with anyone and everyone and talk about Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's your grandmother all the way down to a five-year-old kid. You know, I could talk to anyone about Dungeons and Dragons. It's, it's a, it's a source of unbelievable joy in ways that is very hard to talk about. Um, Dungeons and Dragons is one of those things where you put in a lot of yourself. You put in a lot of your creativity in ways that you didn't know that you had. If you, if you put yourself fully into the game and are willing to just try and be this thing that isn't you and make choices based on what you think someone would do. Not only does it build like empathy, 
and understanding for others and understanding for story structure and understanding for like group think in a positive way. Like it's, it's so cool because Dungeons and Dragons gives you this, and, and this isn't just Dungeons and Dragons. It's all pen and paper types of games. You know, this isn't just limited to D and D. It's Pathfinder, which is another kind of D and D as well as like Shadowrun and basically anything you can sit down and play from scratch with dice and a piece of paper that has your character attributes on it. You know, there's a lot to be said about role playing games like this. Um, and they, I really want, I wish that everyone would play a D&D game once and try to be something that they're not. Do not play yourself. Play an, a stereotype and not in like a, not like a negative way, but play like a fantasy stereotype. Play the high elf who doesn't care for the little people because they're immortal. Play the gnome who just wants to tinker, but oh damn, he's got to go get this treasure because he needs a part that's in this cave. You know, find, create a character that has like some little basic drive. And you will find that it is unstoppable. Like, you can't not keep thinking like that character. Because as soon as things go your way, or as soon as things don't go your way, you're going to be hooked. Mm-hmm. You're going to be you're gonna be in this thing to the point where, like, well, I got to see it to its conclusion. And the beautiful part about tabletop games is there doesn't have to be a conclusion. You can play these games forever. You can be in a game for 25 years straight using the same character if you want. And it will still be interesting if you have the right person who's ma- who's the game master or the dungeon master, whatever you want to call them. Um, or if you bring them into another campaign, you start from scratch and say, I know how this character will react. So let's put them in a new se- scenario. You can, you can do all of that stuff. Yeah. And like, I will gladly talk to anybody about that because no matter what they say, I will always have a positive outlook on D and D and you're never going to change my mind <laughs> ever because there's, there's no limitations. There's no specific way it has to be done. You just play. Yeah. And that's like the greatest feeling in the world. And there's a lot of other people out there that play this too, and that's that's the best part. There's you you will find that the most surprising people are into D and D or tabletop games like this, and that's like the huge joy. Like I'm always surprised whenever I talk to somebody who's who's like, oh yeah, I did that once, and I'm like, explain everything about the game that you play because <laughs> I love hearing people tell me about their Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop game experience because it's like it's more proof that this is an un ending place of happiness <laughs> the number one person that i was super super surprised to see was su- like super in the D uh is the celebrity vin diesel like i don't know if you know this mike but like vin diesel oh yeah i feel like this is out he's got his own like he's got his own little show or podcast now where he's played D, i think get the fuck out of here really yeah, I, I'll find it. And if we can, I'll put it, we can put it in the show notes. I feel like it's like Vin D and D or something like that. Oh. I'll look it up. I'll find oh, it. Oh, I'm definitely downloading this if this is a thing. But like, yeah, like I learned on Reddit of all places of like today, I learned that Vin Diesel is so into D and D that he's actually like written introductions to D and D modules and stuff like that. Like he's super into it, which is like crazy to think that like Dominic Toretto from the Fast and Furious character series is also one of the biggest D and D nerds in the world. Like I think that's fucking awesome. And it just goes to show that, like, people of every different, like, it's not just nerds that play this game. Like, a role playing game is a role playing game. And, you know, people play video games that have to do with role playing all the time. So, why not put a pen to paper and actually do it at home with your, with your good friends and just do whatever you want? Yeah. And the key difference between video games is this and in D and D is like, you know, and I'm saying D and D, but it's the generic table tabletop yeah, gaming. D and D is kind of its own sub genre now at this point. It's not just Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's it's fantasy. It's fantasy, but um, still, it's instead of playing the video game and like playing a character that's already made for you, you instead get to de- divide or derive every piece of that person, their history, um, 
their their how they act like the, their mannerisms everything and it's as detailed as you want it to be and as far as vin diesel goes if i'm not mistaken i believe the reason he started the he started playing D and that was like a big thing to help him get into acting where he could play other characters and i mean vin diesel for the most part kind of plays the same character in a lot of his <laughs> movies but like the fact that he still credits that as something that he thinks is beneficial for others to learn how to play other roles like, that's super cool, and I think that's what D&D is. Like, you can play this game, be a totally different person, whether that's good or bad, you know, and then you can go back and go, well, that's not me, I'm out of this game, um, d- despite what may happen among your group or whatever, if you do something shitty in the game, you know, whatever, but um, that's all could be part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, I feel that I feel as much passion that you have with D&D about things like uh, podcasting or productivity. Like, I, I, I wrote a lot of notes about, like, the productivity kind of thing, and this is a super weird tangent, like, just super weird tangent. That's kind of, like, it's super abstract. Yeah. And I think like that's one of the big big things about like uh, talking about the things so positively and things like that is that if it's if it's a super broad topic, there's plenty of different areas in which you can discuss these things. Like D and D is it's like I said, this whole subgenre of fantasy role playing essentially, and there's so many different avenues that people could take with it. There's so many different kind of modules that they can play with it. Like there's no, uh, I mean, it doesn't get boring. And like productivity for me is the same way. Like I just learn about all these different ways that people like work on like things. Like I love the like life hacker used to have this thing. They still might have it of like this is how I work kind of things. And they interview big people. Like Ira Glass did one. Oh yeah, a while back, and I, I fucking ate that shit up so hard. I really loved reading that and like reading how other people work on stuff. I love productivity podcasts where people talk about task management apps or uh, different styles in which they they do work and things like that. Like I am super into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it can actually be a detriment to me actually doing my work and being productive itself, which is kind of funny. Um, uh-huh. But at the same time, like I just I eat that stuff up like you know like candy. I just it's it's uh, it's almost a guilty pleasure of mine because I know that like if I start reading on this thing, I'm going to try and do it, and then that will just completely uh, halt all of the work that I'm actually trying to do and things like that. Like the amount of time that I've spent trying out task managers and moving my tasks over from one app to another, uh, if I had that information in front of me would probably make my eyes pop out of its socket and just my jaw drop all the way to the floor. Like I just, I know I spent way too much time on this kind of stuff, but it's also something that I'm really interested in. And I read books on it. I read uh, blog posts on it like daily almost. And like, just like, just like a bunch of uh, things that I look into of like how people do their work because it's just something that I'm fascinated by and how people have their, like I have a method to their madness kind of thing. And I always love when people want to share how they get their work done, especially if they're in the same like creative field as I am, whether it's like podcasting or blogging or writing or uh, right. comic book making, like any of those things. Like I just want to, I just want to sit them down and just hear how they talk or how they create their work and, and just hear them talk about it. It's just something right. that I'm super interested in and love to hear about and, and how they do the things. And um, it's, it's kind of, nerdy like it's 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 really nerdy i should say like i'm just like how do you do all the writing that you do and like what kind of apps do you use or like what what's your writing workflow and like everything else like i i ask people that every once in a while and see how people do their work and things like that on twitter i ask people a ton on that and everything else and but i just enjoy talking about it and i never really find any negative things to say about it like i never really criticize how people do their work because it's i mean they're they're obviously creating things that are uh, worthwhile to read or listen to or watch and hearing how they manage to deal with all the, the ins and outs of those works is fascinating to me. And I just love hearing about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling that most people aren't going to say, well, this is a bad habit that I have, but it helps me get this really cool thing done. Like, and I, I'm sure maybe there are people that say that, but it's like, on the whole, then that means it's not really a bad thing unless it's like shooting up heroin or something, you know? <laughs> if, if shooting up heroin is part of your productive routine, I really like to have a couple of, I have a couple of other questions for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think that's really cool. I, I love that This Is How I Work series um, on Lifehacker. I don't think I've seen one in a while, um, but they may still do it. I don't keep up on the Lifehacker blog as much as I used to, because I was into that for a little while. Yeah. I mean, uh, this guy, as usual with this show, it got more philosophical than ever, but like, do you have any guilty pleasures of like things that you know are kind of garbage, but you love anyway? Because I have a few. I have one in particular. Oh, totally. I mean... There's stuff that I that I still subscribe to that I just like keep to myself. I don't really need to like necessarily have talked to anybody about it because I just consume it myself. Despite the 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 badness or the I don't know, like not necessarily badness, but it's problematicness. Mm-hmm. I was actually to kind of like tangent a little bit of an explanation here as I was I was reading this thing online. There's this person I follow on Twitter, um, Iron Spike. They're like one of the most successful creators, um, independent comic book creators in the country in terms of like the number of Kickstarters that have been funded and the number of books that they sell um, through their publisher, Iron Circus. And if you're interested in some really cool independent books that are like cutting edge and very, very nice quality, um, I would highly recommend checking out Iron Circus. Um, well, they were talking about the this person, Iron Spike, they were talking about um, how problematic things, like, you really shouldn't necessarily, you don't have to be ashamed of them, because, yes, there's some, like, quote-unquote badness thing, or there's some problems in them, but that doesn't, that doesn't devalue your entertainment, um, provided you can, you know, disconnect some of those things from your head, like, blatant misogyny or blatant racism and stuff, that's one thing, um, but, like, making a, you know, a joke about something doesn't necessarily make you bad or a bad person for enjoying it and doesn't necessarily make that person bad for making that joke um and it, there was a is a big log on twitter thread that I'm, I'm probably not summing it up very well but it was really interesting because i do watch some things like for instance funhouse is something that i really really like yeah um, and those guys they code they go down some paths sometimes and i'm like oh i know this is really bad but it is very funny because i know like they always round back and they're always you know like it's obviously a joke and it's a whole thing um and there's it rides this line of like you know you take it as a joke and you understand that it's not bad but someone else may take it as a joke and call it like acceptance for their like problematic or their their beliefs yeah it's kind of a satirical thing on the internet like they're just sort of like poking fun at the internet itself yeah, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, I think that I like that show. I'm not going to sit down and try to like have a big, long discussion about it. And I'll talk to some, some of my friends who I know watch it. Um, but otherwise, like I'm not trying to sit down and have big discussions about it. I'm just watching those videos, laughing to myself, and then like going back on you know whatever else I do on the internet, going back to read some comic books and, and stuff. But like Funhouse is probably one of those things where it's like a guilty pleasure, where it's problematic. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's a thing that I enjoy. I don't necessarily need to share it with anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. One that I, I will share, um, is trailer park boys. Like, uh, like I, I started watching trailer park boys just as a thing to watch on Netflix at the time seasons one through seven were on it. Um, and this is before Netflix picked them up, but like trailer park boys, uh, I think it's a hilarious show, but it's like the dumbest of comedies ever. And like, that's kind of their style and I enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. Same. Uh, like I'm wearing my Sunnyvale Jersey as we were recording this right now. And you know what, it, what I'm talking about? Cause I wore it as a Halloween costume. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yeah. So I still I still wear it all the time, and I I enjoy the show a lot. But like, especially like there's two there's two reasons why I kind of feel guilty about liking it. Is like one, it's obviously just a silly comedy show that like uh, it it just sort of. Um, it allows me to turn my brain off. Oh, totally. You know, like it just allows me to not really have to think deeply about the, the subtle nuances of the show and the kind of commentary they're making about the world. Like there's none of, there's really none of that. It's, it's, it's in its own confine and you've just got like three, like two idiots and one minor, uh, smart person that are the main characters that like are dealing with all these antics and shit like that, that they're trying to do. And they, they do silly stuff and it just, it's just, uh, it's just a way for me to be able to shut my brain off for a while and just enjoy it. The other reason I really don't like it is, is because um, they're trying to make it into this big conglomerate media group that I'm just not a huge fan of. Um, like, cool. I get that like people really like the show and there's a huge, there's a huge following on it and stuff like that. But, uh, and this is me kind of putting some negative, negative space into it. But like, uh, especially with like the recent news of like some, uh, arrests that have been made with it a bunch of people leaving the show and then john dunworth passing away and like a lot of things sort of have been kind of going not their way lately um and they're still continuing to push content out not really address any of the things publicly and i don't don't know but i mean mainly it's just that like it's just such it's such fodder for my brain that i can just sort of allow myself to enjoy it uh even though it's not necessarily the most educational of shows it's not like planet earth or anything it's just it's just three Canadian guys that are just like, what can we do to make some money? Oh, let's grow some weed. Ricky, we've already done that six times. But like, let me, let me just, let me just poke some holes in that argument because like not everything that you watch needs to be like a commentary on a thing that does something like super positive and like, or not positive, but like that like does something to like, you know, grow television or something. It's, it's totally okay to like have a show that is funny, enjoyable and is just kind of like, using the same kind of stick that we know and love like just because if it ain't broke don't fix it to a certain extent because i think like trailer park boys is interesting because they took the mockumentary format and they like slapped it around and kind of made their own dumb way with it um but i don't think that that's like breaking the mold by any means but it's still a very enjoyable show and it's it's funny because i read this article at one point about how trailer park boys is the most sexually accepting show on in all of television history and i was like what the fuck like that was one of the, the headlines and it totally is because there's like people are like bisexual they're in polyamorous relationships they're like like it's all over the place and no one there's ever transgender characters in it like no one questions it ever and no one ever like pouts their nose at it no one ever calls it weird like the biggest joke in the first couple seasons is that randy and Leahy aren't out that's the only thing like they're keeping their relationship a secret so that Leahy's ex-wife doesn't find out about it but she already knows she's just like jim i'm just waiting for you to say it it's fine just let me know that the you're with randy like that's it that's the that's the whole conflict of their relationship, which I think is so crazy because that show came out in like what, 2005? Super early. Like still like it was like a thing. And I, I, it's so funny because I didn't realize that that was a thing until someone actually wrote an article and pointed that out. And I was like, wow, when you think about it, Trailer Park Boys kind of covers the gamut of a lot of things and they do it really well in a way that they never poke fun at it. They never look down at anybody about it. It's just the way things are. And they accept it because that's how things would be if you never, they never have to point it out. And I, I found that so interesting. Um, that, does that make Trailer Park Boys a groundbreaking show? 
Probably not. But it <laughs> is a very interesting thing to look at. Um, and it's, I don't think there should be any shame around it liking that show. And I'm just defending my own love of that show. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it is totally dumb. It is like a really dumb turn your brain off kind of show, but that doesn't make it inherently bad no no i think that's right it's just i i always sort of connect it as like a guilty pleasure of mine just because i know uh there's definitely some judgment by there's plenty of people that don't like it there's yeah Yeah. there's plenty of people who just like this is real educational jeff i'm really glad that you spend your time watching this show (laughs) i get it i mean it's the same idea as like watching jackass or something you know it's the same sure same kind of mantra of like this is real great to watch this is stupid i'm like yeah but it's my stupid you know it's it's just something i like so um i i i think that like i like the idea of like handling these kind of uh like fandoms and stuff like that and like there's different aspects of these things in, in different areas in which that we kind of covered with this but like if there's like one fandom that like you would want to push on someone um like to not necessarily like if you don't subscribe to this then you're wrong kind of thing but more along the lines of like you're in a tree if you watch this or things like or or consume this or do this like what's like the like the one of those like the one thing that you kind of like push people to like really get into just to get just so that they can be a part of the the same fandom as you Oh, it's Dungeons and Dragons. It's D&D. It's tabletop RPGs, man. By a long shot. If I could find an RPG that works for everybody, that would be the most glorious day. And I mean, if I could find the time to play all the RPG games that I want, that would be another glorious day. But yeah, if everybody played tabletop RPGs, I think it would be fantastic. I'd love to be able to just talk with people about their experiences in playing tabletop games Yeah, like that. Yeah, and mine mine is mainly for podcasting. Um, I still feel that like most people should have a podcast. Not everyone. I used to say everyone. Um, not everyone. Um, there are some people that like really shouldn't be speaking their mind out in the public. Um, and you kind of know who I'm talking about. But like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like uh, like podcasting is one of those passions that I've had for years, and uh, something that I, I, that we both do. That like I feel that if people that want to share their message or ideals uh, online that aren't uh, inherently negative or putting other people down, they should share. Um, and it's like for me, podcasting is like the one last place you can do anything that you want without anyone telling you what you can and can't do. You know, like all you have to do is have a site, a couple of microphones and an internet connection, and you could record and talk about any of the things that you want to talk about. If you want to talk about Smurfs, go ahead and talk about Smurfs. If you want to talk about Trailer Park Boys and do a podcast about Trailer Park Boys, have at it. If you want to talk about Star Wars, there's plenty of other shows that do that. You can be another one. Totally. And it's like the wild, wild west. And one of the reasons why I love the internet in general is that like it's one of the few things that you still have online that you can just do without anyone telling you what to do. And, and this kind of goes back to like the why not kind of idea from the Kevin Smith thing that we we brought in the first place. But like, that's what podcasting to me is. It's like one of those last pieces of creativity that you can do for very low cost of entry and, uh, you know, very easily get it done, uh, and, and share it with the world if you so choose. And like, yeah. if anybody yeah, that is interested in like learning about podcasting or like doing podcasting that I talk to in, in person, uh, they want to know more about it. Cause I, I'm really open about it. Like I talk about it at work more so than I probably should. I don't know if it's really allowed or like, 
they they haven't talked to me or I haven't gotten in trouble with it or anything like that. But like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like people always want to know how I do it or what they can do and things like that. And I always tell them like, you know, if you want if you want information and help with it, more than happy to give it to you and, and uh, more than happy to talk about it with you. And, and uh, when I find out someone that I know does a podcast, I always they dive in head first of like you know, what's your show about? What are you doing with it? Things like that. Like, I always feel like someone should be on a podcast at least once just to sort of see how it is and how much fun it can be. Yeah, man. I, yeah, that's, I totally agree. So what are we, what are we doing next time then? I feel like we're round, we're winding down. So what are we doing on the next episode? What are we talking about? Um, I've got three different topics here. I don't know if you see it in the bottom of the dock or not, Mike. I do. I have a couple. I do. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. We're not doing any of this multiple choice bullshit. You got to pick one. <laughs> That's the rules. Them's the rules that you decided from the get go. We can't collaborate. We can't just uh, see how you feel about it before we get started. Or am I just do, am I just telling you what we're doing? Absolutely not. All right. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch your name. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do writing workflows. And I think you know why I'm going to pick this one. Because um, I bought something that's really silly that I want to talk about next episode. Okay, let's do it. Writing workflows. I, I don't even entirely know what that means, so you're going to have to share with me everything about what that is in the next couple weeks or week or so, and then uh, we'll have a big, long discussion about it. I'm excited. Yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun, man. All right, cool. Uh, until then, uh, Mike, where can they find you online if you wish to be found and talk more about Star Wars and D&D? <laughs> yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Rappin. You can also check out my other podcast, I Read Comic Books, where we talk about comic books every week and a specific thing about comics. It's quite honestly the best comic book podcast out there. You can find us on Twitter at IRCB Podcast or at our website, ircbpodcast.com. And you can find me over at tablethabit.com or over on Twitter at I am Jeff Perry. Um, a quick little plug um, is that there's a new podcast that I'm actually going to be on here with another guy by the name of Christopher Lawley called A Slab of Glass. <gasps> yeah. I'm, oh, my gosh. I'm so offended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the podcast is called A Slab of Glass. It's all about the iPad. Uh, we've got episodes one, two, and three coming out the week of March 18th. And then after that, it'll be every other Friday. Um, so if you want to find out more than that, you can find it at a slab of glass.com or just find a link in the show notes and you can find it there as well. Um, Mike, I know you don't work with the iPad, but if you start to use the iPad, I'll have you on as a guest. Ooh, well, you know, if I, if I get a new iPad, I don't think I'm going to get a new iPad. So we'll see. Okay. I do have an iPad, so I can at least speak to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of having you as a guest and just asking you, uh, so what do you do with your iPad? Well, I, I, I have it. All right. That's I have it. For it. The- I definitely have it. <laughs> that's it for this week's guest. Thanks for having me, Jim. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, if you want to learn more, slabofglass.com or just follow the links in the show notes. Uh, until next episode, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye.